listening to another episode of Grace Matters, conversations establishing believers in the truth. Today's conversation is with Griffin Gulledge. Griffin is a graduate of Auburn University and Beeson Divinity School at Samford University. He serves as Director of Marketing and Communications at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he's working on his PhD in Systematic Theology. Griffin and his wife, Rachel, live in Wake Forest with their Airedale, Dottie. I really enjoyed having the chance to talk with Griffin via Zoom because he's an elder millennial who grew up in the space of social media and has a unique perspective as one who has been an early adopter and frequent user of so many different platforms. You'll hear more of Griffin's expertise that he's been sharing recently at churches and schools as we have this conversation. Well, Griffin, thanks for taking time to talk with us for Grace Matters. Uh, we had a great time with the panel discussion. I've had a couple follow-up conversations, one with our youth pastor to talk more about the theology undergirding how we interact with technology and just basically remembering that our kids are little sinners. Uh, and then I had a great conversation with one of our parents who um, gave us some more perspective of what it's like on the ground with technology in the home. Um, so how did you first get involved with uh, helping people learn about social media and technology. Yeah, so I, um, I I started doing this as a as like an intern at a church. I had some opportunities there to uh, to talk to parents about just some apps they might not know. It's when a lot of the like the iTunes app store was really blowing up, and um, there were so many apps. Parents had no idea; they just knew about Facebook or maybe Instagram. Right. And so um, I did some presentations on parenting and social media. I did uh, some guides for those parents. And this is way back when those guides are not irre- you know, relevant at all anymore. Yeah, yeah. Those apps are gone. Um, but did a few events like that. And then I'm just in the uh, kind of native social media user generation. I've, I've been on Twitter for like 12 years. I... Um, I was like an early adopter of Facebook. I was on Facebook in year two. I was on MySpace in sixth grade. You know, I had a Zanga, I had a Friendster account. I mean, these, are, <laughs> these things don't really exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, but just by being a native user, I I got to this place where um, I had this, maybe not expertise, but just like wide range of knowledge on these subjects and started getting invited to speak at different things. And, you know, recently because of my role as director of, communications and marketing at um, Southeastern Seminary, then I got to a place where people are looking for someone who can speak on these things. And so I started getting yeah. some calls like, you know about this? Do you know things? And, you know, just by the life circumstances that God's put me in and the generation that I'm in and my own yeah. use and my own research. And then a lot of conversations with friends, uh, you know, I just realized that it became a thing that I knew a lot about. So that's how it, that's how it started. Well, I'm grateful for you sharing that expertise with us in this podcast. Uh, in the conversation I just had with Sarah Painter, that parent I mentioned, um, we lamented the fact that there are not uh, a lot of resources to go to. In some ways, it just requires a lot of hard work from parents to learn how these things work, uh, to understand the environments on iOS and, and on the Xbox and just on the internet in general. Um, but I'm very grateful to know that we have another resource in the area. Um, so what are healthy ways that families are using technology 
So we can start on a kind of a hopeful note. What are good ways that you've seen families interact with social media or, or using technology? Yeah, I mean, social media is a lot of fun in some ways. Like I don't just use it to give myself over to constant temptation. Uh, I try to tell <laughs> people that, that social media is not like this inherent evil thing. No more than yep. like kids sports are, right? Like if you right. want to look at something that's like destroying families in our church, it's pulling them away from the faith. Like how mm. about like kids sports that make kids like come to church <laughs> 15 weeks out of the year because they're gone all the time. But I played kids sport. Yeah. It was great. You know, like I had a great time. I was always in church and like grew up to be a faithful Christian. Social media is a similar thing. It's not, it's not objectively bad. It, I'm not saying it's morally neutral because I do think there are mm. areas where like the, temp the temptation is too great and we're not being wise in certain things we do. But um, there's a lot of fun things you can do on social media. I mean, I've seen um, families that interact on Twitter together. I mean, Twitter is a great place to get news and kind of share that with people that you love. My family has a family Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. And we're all oh, in cool. it. People share pictures of our family for like generations back and I've learned so much about things that I just never knew. It's a good way to update people. I mean, I, I can remember my mom when I was a kid would start sitting down on the couch around Thanksgiving every year and just writing like 50 letters, just like handwritten letters. And she's putting them in Christmas cards and end of the year letters to people just to update them on our, our family, like handwritten letters. Like, Nobody does that anymore because you don't need to do that because you have <laughs> right. Facebook, you have yeah. Twitter, you have Instagram and keep up with people. Um, you know, I've even seen families using TikTok and like TikTok challenges where parents have something to do with their kids. That's a lot of fun and draws attention yeah. in a positive way. So I think there are lots of like fun ways that social media does exactly what it's created to do, which is to kind of like keep us connected. Yeah. Well, then... To flip it to the negative then, what are some of the unhealthy ways that families are using social media and technology that you've uh, been called in to kind of address or that you've observed? Oh, yeah. So this is where like, there is a long list, unfortunately. <laughs> um, social media for families can function in a number of dangerous ways. And, and I think one of the dangerous ways is um, that we use it to avoid one another, right? Mm. And, and I want to say, like, I get so frustrated with parents who set limits on their kids' phones and complain about kids using their phones and whatever, but then, like, they are the offenders, not yeah. the kids. Like, yep. I go out. I go out to dinner with my wife. I mean, I used to go out to dinner with my wife or go out in right. public <laughs> with my wife. And, um, it is the parents who are stuck on their phones. It is the adults who cannot get their head out of their phone. Like how many families go home and like kids go to the room, but like parents sit in the living room or sit in the living room with their kids and they are on their phone, just scrolling yep. constantly. And I'm guilty of that. Av avoiding one another. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's our like, you might as well go in your room and, and lock the door. So right. I think that is, that's one huge way. You know, another way I think we do it, um, or another danger of social media 
is um, that we like really harm our, our witness or our family's reputation. I mean, the things that people fight about constantly, people say things on social media, they would never say in real life. And I, I mm. struggle with this with my family. Like I have called family members and had like a real phone call and said like, you would never say that in real life. You need to delete that. Like that, yeah. the way you're fighting with these people, you look horrible. And uh, it, it, I think it can hurt us as, as witnesses, as neighbors, as families. It yeah. causes tension that way. But then the biggest thing, and this is something that I spoke at a Christian school here in Raleigh recently, and I really drilled down on this. The biggest temptation is that we create these false identities on social media. Um, we do it as parents. We do it as children. We do it as parents in relation to our children, right? I mean, I see parents who will post super embarrassing, just like shameful things about their kids just to get I, attention for themselves as like a good mm. parent or a strong parent or, or a right. fun parent, right? Um, or I see parents like even just like mocking their kids online about how difficult they are and, oh, how they – I can't do this or I, I don't have time to go out because of my kids or, um, you know, I see children who give their lives to just building up a reputation, whether it's to have like the longest snap streak or the most likes on Twitter, you know, kids aren't really using like Facebook that much these days. Right. Um, but trying to get the most shares or duets or likes on TikTok, and they just do, do anything to say like, here's who I am. And, and, uh, you know, I said in that talk, we used to look at the world and say, like, kind of tell me who I am. And that look at our last names, right? Like people's last names are like Miller Smith, things like Baker. Like, what are those? Those are, those are your job. Uh, It's, it's that you identified yourself by what the world said that you are, where you fit in the world. But now we are looking out into the world and we're, we're in this age of self-authentication and saying, yeah, who am I? I've got to find myself. I got to tell the world, here's who I am. And social media is the tool that we're all using to do that, to create this like false identity that that essentially says like, who I am is these things that I say, or these ways that I represent myself. And it pulls us away from Christ. It pulls us away from who I am is my my place in the story of God, who I I am is redeemed by Christ, who I am as a member of the church, um, who I am as part of this family. And instead, we, who I am is, you know, these things I say. And when we start to step on each other's toes and families, because we know better, it creates huge rifts and huge problems. That's really good. I think that that's some of what we touched on in our conversation about the theology of technology in general. Um, we have to be mindful of who we are. We have to have a biblical anthropology to remember what it means to be made in the image of God, but also what it means to be a sinner. (laughs) And, and then remember that our kids are sinners in some ways, you know, parents uh, need to remember that we are on the same team with our kids, um, battling with them. And then sometimes for them, uh, against the, the enemy that's arrayed against us. And sometimes yeah. the enemy is our own flesh, but a lot of times it is, it is a spiritual battle and uh, it's so much easier to default to what, you know, I love James K Smith's you know, social imaginary stuff that he gets from James Taylor or not James Taylor. Wow. Charles Taylor. That'd be really funny. Yeah, uh, but the like social, a, 
Carolina on my mind. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but the the social imaginary that uh, has kind of developed in American culture is this self-authentication you just described that we find our identity deep inside of ourselves and we bring it out for everybody to see as opposed to historically, you know, that we receive our identity from uh, outside factors. We go out to find it and then come back with it. And, and biblically, we receive our identity outside of ourselves from Christ. And then from that point of primarily being uh, one of God's children, then the rest of our identity flourishes uh, within that context. But right. if we're not going outside to find that, to recognize that on the outside, uh, there's so much uh, trouble that comes from that. And so parents um, helping kids form their identities, uh, particularly Christian parents, we need to buy into the, the biblical social imaginary, not the secular social imaginary of self-authentication, but rather remembering that we are who God has said that we are and um, right. living into that space. Well, I, I tell parents, you know, when you were a kid, maybe in the eighties or the seventies, you know, I don't think we got parents who are too much beyond that, but yeah. maybe grandparents, but when you were a kid, you, you saw your parents struggle with finding their identity in their place in the world, right? So like dad is a workaholic. He's always gone. Like mom's always at the beauty parlor. She's always buying nice clothes. That like still exists, right? I mean, my wife buys nice clothes. It's not like that doesn't exist. (laughs) But um, what we were doing is trying to show the world our place. We belong here, right? Like we we're finding our place in the world. Um, but now our kids, they're answering a different question. Um, they're answering, who am I? It's always, who am I? And they're not looking to the world for that answer. They're trying to define it for themselves. But of course the, like the complicating factor is that it's not true, right? It's all false. It's a false narrative. So they're still receiving it from the world, but now they're receiving it in these very targeted peer pressured ways that are different. Like this is just not the world of the commercial where the kid goes to the party and they're like, do you want a beer? And he's like, no. And then it's like, all right, like you did it. You're a courageous kid. Now it's the, like you get on your phone and the world is like, you know, do you want to participate in this trend? Do you want to tell us who you are? And then they have to decide like, who am I? And it's a much, it's a much deeper much mm. harder question. And if you don't participate, then like you don't fit. You, you don't have a place as a kid. It's not a matter of which job do you choose. It's like you either participate in this social media ecosystem or like, who are you? Right. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a pretty terrifying thing. It is. For teenagers. So you've already mentioned a lot of different apps through just a little bit of conversation we've had. Um, and some parents, are probably aware of these. Uh, some of them, maybe not. Um, and so a couple that you've mentioned, you know, the the monstrosity of Facebook is pretty well known. Um, and then, unfortunately, we can mourn, you know, the passing of, of MySpace. But uh, when we get beyond that, when we get to... Do we have to mourn? <laughs> well, no, oh, maybe not. Uh, but the, if my MySpace was still publicly available, it would be a very, <laughs> very bad thing for me. 
the uh and instagram is probably well known as well uh and in part because it's been bought out by the monstrosity of facebook but um right. you know what are some of the other apps that you have observed as being particularly meaningful and trendy right now like they, they are helping in identity forming spaces. So you mentioned TikTok, which is relatively mm-hmm. new. Um, but what other, you know, what is that app for one? And then are there any other apps that you think um, are setting trends? And then are there other ways that uh, apps have been uh, meaningful or dangerous? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of like the big apps, I think parents should know about, like they probably know the main ones. So Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, um, they've probably heard of TikTok, right? So Instagram, of course, is a, a big image sharing platform. Mm-hmm. Facebook, of course, kind of the all-encompassing social media network. Twitter is more of like a microblogging place where there's lots of like influencing of thoughts. Like I, yeah, I'm really hesitant to say any high schooler should get on Twitter because the narratives on Twitter and the sort of group think um, is, I mean, it's not healthy for adults, um, but it's certainly, uh, not healthy for our teenagers. You know, I think adults at least have more capacity to wade through, through some of that. And I've right. like seen like teen Twitter, even like teen evangelical Twitter. And like, if you want your kid to be like a really shallow Christian, getting them around like teen Christianity, Twitter is the oh, way man. to do it. This is sort of like act good and God will give you the perfect husband and everything will go right in your life. It's just like prosperity oh. everywhere. Um, Snapchat, of course, like really popular, of course. Yeah. I think parents um, are going to have to make their own decisions about what is wise with these apps for their kids. Um, I think that um, some parents are going to land on like, we're not going to use any of them. And if they make that choice, um, that's up to them. And I respect that. But the majority of parents the majority of kids are going to be on these apps and i think something parents need to know is just because you don't give your kid a phone or just because your kid's phone doesn't have these apps or they're not allowed to have these apps does not mean they don't have them they Mm. probably have them anyway don't give your kid a phone don't let them have snapchat don't let them have instagram and i guarantee you like 90 percent of the time they're going to have it anyway what they're going to do is they're going to go to school they're going to go to their friend's house that friend has Instagram, that friend has Snapchat. Yeah. And they are going to have an account that they log into on their friend's phone. They're going to do everything there. The friend will be all for it and you will never find it. It will be on private. They'll have some way you won't Mm -hmm. find it because kids are way better at this than you are as a parent. (laughs) Um, And you just like, you have to know that, that, um, you're not probably going to be able to keep them off of everything. You're going to end up in this never ending uh, battle about rules if you do that. Mm. But I would say like prepare your kids with wisdom for what's out there. I mean, TikTok has yeah. some really fun trends, some really fun dances, but it has some incredibly inappropriate material. I would never let kids of a certain age on TikTok. Like if I had a middle schooler, like we might have TikTok as a family. We look at together and we have kind of curated but like the way tiktok works the way the algorithm works if they look at something inappropriate one time or two times that's what they're going to start seeing from now on um snapchat to me 
is just like, it's the, it's probably one of the only ones where I'm like, no way, like no way. There's just not enough accountability. There's not even a way to get caught really on Snapchat. There's way too many stories of kids sharing nude pictures back and forth. And, And I think to that point, one of the undercurrents that's not getting talked about on all these social media accounts is just porn right? Yeah. It's, yep. we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge it. Pornography is everywhere. 80% of the internet. I think, I think that's why I read recently. 80% of the internet is pornography. It's the largest Holy industry. Cow. Like it is huge. The pornography industry, you know what else is huge? The child pornography industry. And mm. there's a lot of danger out there on some of these apps. And Snapchat is one of those where I think of that proverb that says like who can carry fire close to the chest and not get burned like you, mm. you give your child something that has no accountability no way to get caught no rules and all they need is just a moment of yep. not being wise and all of a sudden they're they're in a compromised position and then snapchat has a news section on it that pushes like some of the most scandalous material <laughs> you could possibly want from like Teen Vogue and Teen Cosmo and, you know, all these different magazines that we know are just like smut magazines for adults. Um, and I just really strongly would recommend parents against that. Did I say something wrong? No, I'm uh, somebody just walked in. I was letting them know we're on the, on the podcast. No, you're good. You might have to edit this part out. <laughs> yep, I'll just pick back right. up where I was. Some of the other apps I think parents should know about that are less obvious, um, Tinder and Grindr. And uh, these may be things parents have never heard of, but Tinder is a dating app. And all you have to do is just say that you're a certain age to get on it. And tons of teenagers get on Tinder and start. So there's no verification other than just clicking the email type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just sign up and just click a box. It says, of course I'm over 18, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the people on that website are there trying to find romantic relationships, but more often just trying to find hookups. And it's a really dangerous place for high schoolers to be. Grinder is the same-sex attraction version of that. Okay. And um, I, I just strongly would encourage parents to be familiar, at least, with those two terms. Look at yeah. their kids' phones. Like, regularly look at your kids' phones. Do you even know what's on your kids' phones? Like, if you're just right. saying, like... <laughs> you better not have Snapchat. Like that is lazy parenting. If you are going to fail. Like if you tell your kids like every night at 10 o'clock, I'm going to look at your phone and see your apps. Like they're going to delete the apps they shouldn't have at 955. Yeah. You should be regularly like having access to your kid's phone and know what these things are. Um, there is uh, another app, Discord. Discord, yeah. of course, is like a chat app started as a chat app and um, it's huge with gamers. Like gamers like to talk on discord a lot. Yep. And, but here's the thing. Discord is like a breeding ground for like alt-right neo-Nazi indoctrination. And huh. that is like not what you expect at all. Right. Like oftentimes <laughs> we're thinking like, I don't want my kids to get into sexually promiscuous material. But like, have you thought about just the war of ideas out there yeah. and how yeah. like the, the like neo-Nazi groups are gravitating to this chat app. That's really interesting. Finding young men and like indoctrinating them with like really extremist views. 
Um, huh. You know, even like the uh, the Charlottesville protest happened a couple years ago where people were killed. Like that that started on Discord. And uh, oh wow, you just gotta know where where these sorts of things are. Um, and I think another one is Reddit. Um, Reddit okay. is yep. an app that I've used. Reddit is like they call themselves the front page of the internet. You can get yeah. news, you can get content, you can get fun things. But Reddit is basically the the full internet on one website, and it yep. has all the dark corners. Yep. There are areas of Reddit that are very very dangerous for kids, and you can you can put parental controls on. Um, but let me say this, all of this requires wisdom, knowing yeah. which apps to use requires wisdom. Yeah. No, but I appreciate how like, you've made that a, th- a thread through this whole thing. You need to disciple your kids. Like mm. I get really frustrated in these conversations when people want to outsource this to the youth pastor yeah. or they, <laughs> or they're like, just tell me what apps that they can't have. Like I can do that and you can, you can start a, a land war with Russia, right? Where like you and your kid who knows way more than you do about the geography of all this, start having this battle of downloading apps, deleting apps. What can you have? What can you use? What can you not use? What do they have on their friend's phone? But like, I, the bad news for parents is like, you can't protect them from all of it. You can't do it. You're going to lose this battle. Like yeah. there's too much out there. There's too many things I don't even know. Right. Like here's an app calculator plus what is calculator plus calculator plus is an app that looks just like a calculator, but when they t- type in a certain amount of numbers, it takes you to a secret photo vault where they can store all these files. Like, yes. Yeah, so I've, I've heard about photo vaults. Um, oh, yeah. I think I was aware of Calculator Plus. Are there others that function oh, yeah. like photo vaults I've actually too? got a list like Hide It Pro, Best Secret Folder, Calculator Plus, Secret Calculator, Keep Safe, Secret Photo Album. Android actually has it built into the software that you can make secret folders. Uh, oh, iPhone, actually, an Apple iPhone has better parental const- uh, restrictions on it than any other device by far. Yeah. So Apple, I I would say, is a safer device than these others. But there are so many ways for kids to find things, to hide things, to delete things, to keep you from knowing what's the safeguard here. Like, how how can you do this? Like, it's like as a parent, we quote the Apostle Paul, like, who is sufficient for these things? Like, how could I possibly <laughs> parent if this is the case? Yeah. How can I protect my kids? You can protect them by teaching them the gospel and yeah. by making disciples of your little neighbors who live with you, right? Stop yeah. trying to be their friend. Like, love them. But, like, don't gamble your child's soul away on the off chance that you're going to be seen as the fun parent or the cool yep. dad or yep. that your kid's going to be popular or fit in. Like, if you really care about them, what you need is not this long, exhaustive list of apps that they can't have. And I'm happy to give that. I've given it already. What you need is to make them disciples, right? It's like mm-hmm. Titus says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify him for purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Mm. I, I can't think of a more relevant passage to this discussion. That's great. But that the grace of God teaches us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It teaches us to live self-controlled and upright lives. It teaches us to wait on Christ. That's how you live in the world of social media. Yeah. You don't defeat your children's sinful inclinations with the law. You do it with the gospel. Like legalism is not going to protect your children. Jesus is going to protect your children if they know him and they love him and they see the grace of Christ as a superior uh, thing that they need to forging their own identity on social media. Yeah, that's great. To pornography, to whatever. And so the bad news for parents is this is way harder, right? (laughs) Like making disciples of your kids is way harder than having a list of apps that they just can't use. Yep. Making disciples of your kids is a daily hour in and hour out, a lifelong effort of pointing your kids to Christ. Like if you're not a faithful Christian, you're going to struggle at this. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to study the scriptures. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to pray with your children. You're going to have to repent when you sin. You're going to have to set the example. You're going to need a godly marriage. And if you are in a broken marriage, you're going to need to begin to set the example of forgiveness and mercy and justice and love and kindness and forbearance and long suffering because that's what it takes to make disciples of our children. But if they are not disciples, ultimately what you're going to do is you're just going to avoid that gross feeling that you get when you think about your kids stumbling onto pornography. Yeah. Parents need to decide like, do I want my kid to be righteous and holy in this online ecosystem? Or do I just not want to feel gross about the fact that my baby's growing up and stumbling into things that I think make me feel gross? Because honestly, like that's most parents. Yeah. Like you've got a ton of parents out there. If you look at the statistics, like most parents are really getting pornography, right? They just don't want their kid to do it because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's like, I just need to protect them until they get out of the house. That's right. not a Christian value, right? Nope. <laughs> Christian value is teach your kid the grace of Christ. Teach them to love the things that God loves, to hate yeah. the things that God hates, to hate their own sin, to repent of their sins, to have godly accountability with their friends, to get them in a ch- church regularly and consistently and show that it's a priority in your family so that they're regularly under the word of God, which will change them. Like you just won't do it by instituting a bunch more rules. Like wisdom is important. Knowing what's out there is important. Writing down these apps that we've talked about and coming right. up for what's wise for your family is super important. But if you remove like the grace of Christ from this conversation and you try to make this about instituting some more rules and boundaries, what you're probably going to do is create kids that can't wait to get out of your house yeah. to get what they want. And that that's more dangerous maybe than them getting it while in your house. Mm. That's good. So when we already have kind of lamented at the beginning uh, and that there's not a whole, a whole lot of resources 
And so, uh, and we limited that in the previous episode as well with uh, Sarah that um, she had to just do the hard work of figuring out how to navigate iOS uh, screen time and in order to help her yep. kids. So do you have any, <laughs> any resources that you could recommend that yes. uh, are, are helpful for us as parents in navigating this stuff? Absolutely. So there's a book, um, there's a book by Andy Crouch. Yep. We used it uh, the, as kind of a uh, model for family. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, so TechWise Family. Uh, Tony Renke has two books, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You okay. and Competing Spectacles. Um, there, there was a great conference that the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the, Nash, of the SBC did. It's their national conference on parenting. And there were some talks there that were amazing. Jen oh, Wilkin cool. in particular did a talk called How to Raise an Alien Child that I think is like so essential. What she talks about there is the things that I've been talking about, about using grace to teach your kids to seek the things of God and not just trying to dump rules all over them. I hope they'll be good. You know, Uh. Um, I strongly, strongly recommend that. Um, Another book I'd recommend is by Paul Tripp and it's called Parenting. And the reason I'm recommending these books is because it's not enough, just like I said earlier, to know about the tech stuff. You need yeah. to know about how to apply this stuff to your children. Yes. And so um, if you're looking for something shorter, Tony Renke, the same guy that wrote those books earlier I mentioned, um, he has an article called 12 Tips for Parenting in the Digital Age that I think has some just really good wisdom. It's just really, cool. really strong. In terms of apps, like things like resources that are tangible that can help you in this, um, Disney and Apple, like our two most unlikely allies in this. Yeah. <laughs> Disney, who's ABC, like makes like some of the most filthy TV shows. Like Disney has the, the, uh, scientific research to know how this harms children. And they've created this thing called Disney circle where yep. you can control Wi-Fi access for children in your house to help you enforce those limits. And I just think like every, Every family should have it. It's not expensive at all. It's a piece of hardware. I think it's like 50, 100 bucks maybe. Um, And I would strongly recommend it. I do recommend Apple products. You know what? Good news. Apple just released the cheapest smartphone like ever in their history. It's cheaper (laughs) than the cheapest Android phones because Apple has some real uh, um, great parental controls, uh, things that you talked about like you had in your other conversation you can set time limits. You can customize time limits. Maybe they get more time on the weekend. You can set limits for individual apps. You can set age ranges for individual apps. Like you can just do so much. Look, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I have an iPhone and I have parental controls turned on on my phone that limits adult content and that shuts my phone down at 1030 every night. And my wife yep. has the password because yep. like this stuff isn't good for our soul. Right. And, uh, you know, also I would say parents, like you need to get covenant eyes on every device where you will get a report. There's a login for every family member and you can get a report mm-hmm. of every site that they visit and what they're doing online. And it will filter out things before they see them. Yeah. It's an essential app. Like I will never own a device again that doesn't have covenant eyes on it. And yeah. then there's an app a lot of parents like called Life 360. It has some similar tools okay. on it has some tracking for kids. Like you can see where your kids are. Like, are they lying to you? They go somewhere that they're not supposed to be. 
Yeah. So a lot of people like, like that as well. Um, so I think, I think those are some of the biggest resources. Um, I think the last thing I would add in terms of resources is just like parents, like your life is a resource. Like, mm, are good. you setting an example? I, I have a family member whose son was struggling with pornography and it was such a battle and he got in so much trouble and they did discipline him when he would get caught. But then like they would watch the raunchiest movies at night in their house <laughs> oh, and man. make jokes about it, make like yeah. sexual jokes around the dinner table. And I just told him once, I was like, what are you doing? Like you are undercutting any credibility you have with your kid. Like this is like the old commercial. Like, where did you learn that? Like, I learned it from you, dad. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they are watching like parents. Are you on your phone constantly? Like yeah. number one, do your kids trust you enough because you've modeled grace and forgiveness that they would actually come to you if they were struggling. But then number two, do they think that if they came to talk to you, that you would even look up from your phone? Mm. I mean, that is like a oh gosh, convicting <laughs> question. Yeah, it is. But it is true. It is so true. Like my wife had to come to me once and be like, you're on your phone so much. So like, sometimes I'm like, well, I'll just have to talk to him later. Cause he's not going to really pay attention. And that's when I was like, all right, we're going to nip this in the bud right now. I've clearly got a problem. Yeah. And uh, I think parents sometimes, like I said earlier, what we're really trying to do is guard against the things our kids that do, do that make us uncomfortable. What we ought to be doing is seeking holiness together. Like love yeah. your neighbors as like yourself. Your kids are your neighbors. They live with you. Uh, they yeah. live in your house. They're the closest neighbors you've got. And uh, we need to be modeling for them and loving them in the same ways that we're implementing in our own lives. That's so helpful and convicting. Like you said, man, well, thank you and so I'm much. Not, I'm not like perfect at this, by the way. Oh, like, sure. I've always joked that I'm like, I'm like the person who like loves to like learn where the landmines are by like having my legs blown off. And I've just said like one day I'm going to like see a guy and like metaphorically, like see the guy with no leg. He's looking at him and be like, I should not walk over there. There are landmines. Uh, yeah. But I just have learned by my own failures and you know, yeah. I don't have children old enough to be on social media, but I just would beg some of these parents. Like if you do like, don't, don't have to learn through failure, like implement yeah. these things now. No, that's great. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, even though we're quarantined and maybe had a little bit more time, but thank you for taking the time to speak uh, with Grace Matters and giving us perspective on all these different elements of social media. And you're right. I think God has positioned you by virtue of the generation that you're in and the circumstances he's allowed you to be in uh, to provide some wisdom. And I'll certainly be uh, seeking to apply that wisdom in our home and we pray for that for all of our families, that we would grow in wisdom as we try to navigate technology and the family. So thanks again, Griffin. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. If you have any questions that you would like to ask of our guests or of our panelists from the technology and the family panel, please send an email to gracematters at graceccnc.org. Thanks again for listening to Grace Matters. Conversations Establishing Believers in the Truth.